Note to listener, the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast does not condone dropping sentient beings from any height. Fatal or not. Except maybe goblins. And the occasional elf. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, bringing you dwarfy talk for over two years now. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland, and yeah, we've been doing this for two years. Oh my god. Yes, it's uh, March 9th was when the very first episode was released, and today's date is March 14th, 2021, as we record this, so it's been just over two years that we have been doing this. Two years? On the one hand, we've been doing this like every week i feel um this this is amazing but two years damn that's that's a long time yep we have released every two weeks pretty much on clockwork i think that there is a couple of weeks in there that we uh one thing happened or another and we weren't able to release but for the most part we've been every two weeks just shooting the bull and it seems like people want to listen to us then I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I think a good old shout out to the fans is required at this point. Because, you know, what what would we be without the people listening right now? Well, we'd be a couple of nerds talking to each other about Dwarf Fortress. Ah. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should mention that, that Tony hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, Tony actually what just hasn't been able to make it to uh, today's episode. He is traveling. So I'm here. It's all good. Hey. Oh, uh, there he is. Hello. <laughs> Ended up oddly free this morning. Hey, Blind. How you doing? We're welcoming um, Blind into the podcast now. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if I just crashed you, but... Um... No, it's fine. <laughs> You're okay. welcome to crash us, yeah. No, and I was in the middle of saying that Tony's traveling right now, so uh, so he is not here. But we were talking about just uh, on March 9th, we passed our two-year mark as a podcast. So, gee whiz, you've been doing this for, what, seven years, Blind? Yeah, it's been a while. Seven and a half now? Let's see. Uh, what else we got here? Um, elves. We got pictures of elves. Who dropped those elf pictures? Was it? Toadie or was it meth? Uh, that was uh, uh, Kit Fox Games, technically, who posted it in the newsletter. Roland, you said that you weren't sure how you felt about them because they were cute. Is that right? Yeah, like, you know, it's one thing to, like, be inhumane and uh, sadistic to the small letter E. It's something different if you actually see a humanoid person with a face getting like slaughtered by your dwarves um, i don't know i don't want to feel bad but then again i kind of should shouldn't i do the elves have umlauts in the game when they're soldiers yes okay oh only when they're soldiers interesting yeah i did not know that same with the humans uh when when humans are soldiers they have little umlauts above the u's when elves are soldiers they have little umlauts above the e's Huh. Yeah, that's why you get attacked by like umlaut e, uh, while when you are uh in a tavern on on like single player, not single player adventure mode, then you just see like normal e's without the umlaut. Took me 
like two years to actually get that though but don't worry <laughs> i kind of wanted to bounce off something that was said earlier about um them being too cute looking like um the, the the elves being a little bit too humanoid and lifelike almost and uh the the, the thing that i kind of wanted to say is like my issue with them is they look way too close to the humans canonically they are they have less body volume air quotes than humans the same body volume and the same armor sizes as dwarves yeah but the sprites that we have are all the same size i kind of wish they were like two pixels smaller okay fair like size wise next to them because the dwarves are also like roughly the same size as humans but they're just bigger and the bald dwarves are kind of looking like battle babies almost (laughs) which isn't a bad thing i'm totally fine having an army of caillous to go attack whatever i'm attacking but that's kind of the look that they're getting (laughs) and i i kind of wish that the the dwarves sprite was like one pixel smaller all the way around and the elves sprite was one pixel shorter all the way around but I have a feeling that's something I could fix with a mod in like an hour. So I get what you're saying though. Whenever I first saw the, the, the page that was released and it had the three rows top to bottom at first sight. And after just reading the, the released text, I didn't realize that we were seeing elves, humans, and dwarves all in that picture. I thought that they were all just different body styles at first of elves. And, And then after, looking at it a little while, I realized that we were seeing the, the wider stumpier dwarves than humans and elves. And uh, yeah, you're right. The, the humans and elves look pretty much the same, except the elves had pointier ears. The elves also have squintier eyes. Like the, their act, the actual number of pixels in their eyes is longer. So like <laughs> three or four pixels for their eyes instead of the humans, which have one wow okay that's that's some dedication to sprites right there i i mean if i look at it for longer then i can't kind of see it but damn okay my my biggest worry is when they're all moving when the game's unpaused i'm not going to be able to tell the difference and people in youtube comments have like claimed and informed me that this is the way it's intended like i'm you're not supposed to be able to tell the difference like in tolkien the only difference is elves have attitude and in this the only difference is elves are the bad guys that we're supposed to be murdering but as somebody who's often like not enemies with the elves because i find them boring to fight because they're just too easy yeah i I'd, I'd rather like buy weird animals from them like unicorns and giant bears. So I, I tend to be at peace with the elves. And for me, they just kind of look identical and it's a little bit silly. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, in Tolkien, the elves didn't, you know, eat their, their prey whenever or their, you know, the, the fallen combatant opposition. Yeah. So they have weird hobbies. Dwarves have <laughs> necromancers. Who cares? <laughs> I'm pulling, I pulled up the, uh, the picture of the elves and I'm looking at them here. Yeah, except for the pointy ears, I I can't really see this the difference in the squinty eyes that much. Um, nah, you have to zoom in on that. It's, it's basically really just a single pixel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you certainly won't be able to see that as much uh, whenever they're like I said in motion and on a full size game screen. Unless humans show up in wooden armor, then it should be fairly easy to tell the uh, the elves from the the humans uh, in battle. 
hopefully. Although I will never forget the one time I was playing Dwarf Fortress and I got invaded by what I thought was 220 elves. And then after they started demolishing everything that I had, I realized they were all completely kitted out in steel. <laughs> one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me in Dwarf Fortress. How? Uh, because they were completely taken over by a goblin sieve and I didn't realize that until I examined one of them oh, after God. they killed my army. Bummer. That is that is not cool. That is very terrifying. So I, me and my copper and arm and iron armor, like just fell apart. But I thought only dwarfs have have steel. I, I, I don't I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Uh. I've certainly been attacked by goblins with steel weapons before. Maybe not fully kitted out and full suits of armor, but something happened in World Gen where that was just a really scary goblin faction. Steel goblins, hmm. After we got off the uh, the the podcast last episode, there was one thing I wanted to ask you, Blind, that I that I had forgotten and uh, and didn't do, but this gives me the opportunity to do so. In the all the time that you have played Dwarf Fortress, uh, if you can recall some especially cool story, uh, an especially cool Dwarf Fortress story that that you'd like to tell. I tell this story frequently, so I can't remember if I told it or not, but I tell, did I tell you the story of the crazy undead human necromancer dwarven queen lady? No. Okay, so oh, right, I had this human necromancer who was... I, and this happened during like the day the uh, Villains Part 1 patch came out, so February 2020, question mark? Um, yep, whenever they released there. that patch. Um, and... I was just because they they added a whole bunch of updates to legends at that point. So like you know, I think they added adultery, uh, cheating, uh, divorce, uh, a, a lot of other fun things like that. So we were just reading through legends and laughing our ass off. Um, and we we found this human queen of a dwarven civilization who happened to be a necromancer, and she had a pretty unremarkable childhood. It was one of those like kind of grew up just like, you know, stealing stuff, did some gambling, eventually became obsessed with life and death and became a necromancer. And then like murdered a few people, plotted to kill a few people and became queen of this dwarven civilization that she was born into, uh, which had a re relatively large human population. And uh, then the second she became queen, she systematically would get married two to three times a year. And plot to assassinate those husbands, assassinate them, and res them as a zombie. Um, oh, God. And within, like, 15 years, she had, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of undead ex-husbands. Um, and from what I could tell, more or less the entirety of her army was undead ex-husbands. Um, <laughs> I never examined it further, but uh, she, as as at the point where my legends ended was still getting married three to five times a year and was murdering every single one of her husbands. That's probably the weirdest story I've ever run into in Dwarf Fortress. If I had that in my legends mode, I think that I would try to seek out where she was based and place a fortress near that because it would be awesome to be attacked by the, the queen and all of her ex-husbands. <laughs> or even just like an army of the ex-husbands. Yeah. That 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 is one black widow right there. Damn. <laughs> That's something. Have you played much this uh last couple weeks, Roland? I tried, uh, but sadly not as much as I'd like to. I just 
I I have a weird bug where I cannot play my the the very old worlds that I generate um, because my PC just keeps crashing. Like not just the program, it's my entire PC. And so I'm kind of stuck hmm. uh, either with uh, like newer worlds or the worlds I've been playing. So I got back to the one world I've been playing for uh, three years now. I don't know. Is um, this the one that you're trying to uh, wipe out all other, all other uh, sentient beings on the planet other than yes. your civilization of dwarves? And right. it's going great, to be honest, especially with the whole uh, I can now raid people. It's so much easier suddenly. <laughs> it's it's lovely. There are no Cyclopeans or like Etins, Giants, whatever of that stuff, all gone, dead, killed by me. There are only two forgotten beasts left, and I, I'm not sure where they are. Um, there are just three Hill Titans left. Um, because they're chilling in the most northern part on a small island and like battling each other and I'm not gonna go there because you know there's no point and now the the goblin civilizations have uh, come under my scrutiny because you know elves eh, come on that's not really a challenge is it um <laughs> so I've been starting to raid the goblins, but not just raid them, but raise their sides. And like, I do that as soon as a squad comes back, I just get uh, let them eat something, chill out, uh, unload the stuff that they got from like raiding or raising. Then I throw them out again so they can like raid again. I've been amassing wealth and I don't know, like furniture. Sometimes they come back with it like chairs. Or tables. Like, why would you steal a table? It's not even a good table. <laughs> <sighs> so you are you playing this still on 4412? Or were you able no, to convert it to the newer version? Yeah, I, I, I'm now playing it on the newer version. There are some minor bugs. Uh, for example, I, I had like a lot of uh, squads getting stuck and so on. But that is simply because I've been very, very into, like, playing this exact world. But it's fine, you know. Uh, they don't seem to be dead. And as soon as I, like, retire a fortress, they don't despawn or, like, go poof into, like, thin air. Uh, but instead, they mingle around the world and suddenly tend to become adventurers instead. Yeah, that's that's pretty fun. Even though the, the whole adventurer thing is rather well, bleak, because now in the world there are mostly dwarves, there is a full island of humans, there are no other humans except for that island, um, so if you want to see something else than dwarves, or like a few elves, then you're not gonna have fun in that world, because I killed like basically everything, except, for, you know, the, the only part where you can have like quote-unquote fun in capital letters is when you sleep outside during the night and ju you just hope for the night well, creepy crawlers to come sounds like your mission's pretty much accomplished then you've gotten well there are still sentient races okay there are still sentient races and i still have vampires um also there is one single necromancer that is very reluctant to not die um yeah he he keeps like repelling my sieges 
So blind, I started up with your uh, with your philosophy of sell or destroy all of your excess stuff, and um, it's going pretty well. I tried to do that on the fortress that I was working on uh, for the last few weeks, and I just had too much stone that I didn't want to just throw on in somebody else's cart, and uh, it was going to take too long to actually build things with it. Yeah. So started, I retired that fortress and started a new one and, uh, and it is going to have your philosophy. So, although I still am going to try to get a, a fairly good sized fortress because I want to see if I can build a very tall tower. I mean, you can do some pretty, you can do some pretty impressive stuff and just demolish and get rid of the excess. Whenever you build something like, let's say that you build walls with your stone. Do you think that that takes those stones when they get turned into walls do they take those stones out of the each individual time click consideration for it or does every stone that has been put into a construction still need to be reckoned individually so this is kind of out of the realms of my understanding of the game but what i do know is this um when something is in a stockpile it's not being tracked unless it gets disturbed so if something is in a stock like if you've made a block and you put it in a stockpile it's not being tracked unless it gets hit by water or something. If you make a block and it's constructed, it cannot be disturbed because it has no physics objects. So in theory, it shouldn't be affecting the moment-to-moment gameplay. But if you go and select... like it, I have so many rocks and blocks built that if I go to select, especially in Long Death, if I go to select the... Um, the, the, the block screen in the stocks screen. So if I, if I scroll down to blocks, the game will seize up for about 45 seconds before it actually tells me what blocks I have. Um, and it'll also do that with the iron and metal bars screen. Um, hmm. Because I have, it's like 37,000 used blocks on that screen. So it's there and they are keeping track of them I think it's just when you're running around in game, they're a non-issue because they can't be disturbed by anything that could bother their physics. So those blocks that are showing up on your block screen, they are in constructions? Yes. Well, the the red ones are. So there's two in the block screen, right? There's white number and then there's the red number. The white number or gray number is um, the number that you have available. And then the red number is the number that are constructed or being used. You know, that is another thing that I wasn't aware of what it meant. I'd, I'd seen those the, the two columns of numbers on the stock screens, and I always told myself, you know, you need to really look up and find out what those numbers mean. <laughs> so no, I, I think same I Same with, like, so. clothing, right? So the, yep. the, the lighter color is stuff that's not being used and in a stockpile or on the ground somewhere, and the stuff that's red is the stuff that's claimed. And that number can change whenever a dwarf dies because all their clothing and stuff becomes unclaimed, and you can sell it. Well, there is my my thing about Dwarf Fortress that I've learned today. Awesome. Thank you. I actually learned something about Dwarf Fortress this week, and that's if you, when you're trading stuff um, and you're trying to bring stuff to the uh, to the stock screen, if you just go into the search function and hit X, it'll automatically give you everything in the fortress that's degrading. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because oh. I stumbled on this uh, on accident like a while ago. And I was like, hmm, I just kind of want to sell the dumb stuff that the humans kept dropping in my tavern. Um, so let's let's see if I can find 
some of these genes, right? Um, and it kind of worked. If you just press X, it just shows you degrading clothing. And that's great. You can just like spam it all. Like, yeah, yeah. Take it. Well, Take all of it. Depending on how old your fort is, because in my case, it also shows me degrading books, degrading choirs, degrading bins, degrading boxes, degrading furniture, and degrading beds. H hold so, on. <laughs> H hold on. Books can degrade. Yes. If they're not... If they're not bound, yes, choirs can degrade. Oh, oh god. But if they're bound, they cannot degrade. I don't think so. Oh, oh god, okay. okay. <laughs> now I have to bind all my books. Oh no. Um book bindings okay, are really easy that. to do though, fortunately. Yeah. It's been during the last month that I made my first bar of soap. I've not even thought about um you know, binding books yet. There's always more to do. Uh, you know, how how do I say? I tend to play very young roles because that is apparently the only thing my PC likes to handle. And when you have a young world, you have so many achievements and like accomplishments and knowledge to learn that when you do um, dedicated scholars, they write so many books. And I had this one mega project where I built like a library outside of my fort, like an actual a temple ruin kind of thing, like a Greek temple. And I made that into a three-story library. I became obsessed with the libraries in Dwarf Fortress because you have books, they're randomly generated, and, and the knowledge in there is just fantastic. And sometimes you, you have people coming there trying to learn new stuff like forgetting the books there then you can like scribe new copies of them and you have uh like diaries of people just explaining how their life was you have stuff where a dwarf <laughs> wrote a full-on 200 page book about having a grudge on his wife um it's Mood. it's amazing what's what's that blind i was just saying that's a mood <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got a library but i haven't got anybody in there uh, writing or actually this is in the fortress that i retired so i don't guess i do have a uh, library yet but yeah I, I had put some uh some bookshelves in there didn't really know what to do with it i bought some books but i never for off of uh, some caravans but i never did check to see if they had actually put the books in the library does that happen automatically if you have a library they just stick yes. books in it yes assuming you have bookshelves Yes, I, I have. I did have books. I do have bookshelves yeah. in it. So yeah. Then they 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 should have just put them in there. So I guess that's like the book stockpile is your bookshelves. Yes. <laughs> in a way, it's it's more like the way goblets get naturally stored in your tavern mm -hmm. when you have chests in a tavern. Yeah. Didn't know that either. Wow, I, there's just so much I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so now I know to put chests in a tavern so that they will put the 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 goblets in there instead of carrying them all the way back and <laughs> just leaving them in the, uh, yeah. A lot of times hit, I just leave you, them in the, uh, the, in the stockpile with the drinks. <laughs> if you hit L, uh, for the location screen, I think it's capital L for the location mm -hmm. screen and scroll down to your tavern. And then I think it's a on the keyboard. I'd have to actually look at it, but there's a button and you can set the number of goblets you want to store yeah, in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only one that your tavern keeper will use. Yeah, and if you set it to like uh, 200, they will take every single goblet or mug or whatever you have in your fortress and store it there. And then they only take 
those because there is no mug outside of your tavern anymore. That's really good. And especially if you then put some, uh, like a small stockpile of uh, drinks in your tavern, they don't even have to like run around anymore. They just get a mug, get something to drink. They're happy and they stay in the tavern. So I'm assuming that this, that, that the same thing will happen with a, a dining room. Wait, is there a different? Wait, is there a difference between a dining room and a? Well, dining rooms are a room designation, and taverns are a zone. So I don't think right. so. Right. Okay. So yeah. So the dining rooms you you designate whenever you select tables, and okay. Which also is something that's getting changed, coming up, because rooms are no longer. There's no longer going to be the distinction between the queue furniture rooms and zones. It's just going to be zones. For the Steam version, and the, so will you zone bedrooms? Yeah, so that there was a an update that Toadie posted on Bay Twelve, which basically just reads that um, this was specifically for bedrooms because they were setting up bedrooms in the new UI and they were trying to figure out how they were going to tutorialize the current bedroom setup where you press Q and then like claim the bed and then designate what the bed's going to be, whether it's a dormitory, barracks, or bedroom, and then size it. Um, and you have to have the bed in the room in order for it to be a bedroom. And they more or less have just decided that instead of going that route, they're just going to say, you plop a zone on the bedroom, and there doesn't need to be a bed there for it to be a bedroom or assigned. So it's easier to swap out furniture and stuff, and easier to tutorialize. So they only need to tutorialize one room system instead of multiples, and this is going to carry over to other room types like barracks. My, my question is... Will you be able to do that over a large area of multiple bedrooms just once? Because right now it's like a carpal tunnel syndrome generator. You go <laughs> R, enter, arrow, 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 R, enter, arrow, arrow, arrow. Uh, you know, do that 50 times if you laid down 50 beds. It would be great was... if you could just zone out the bedroom area and have the bed define the bedroom itself or something like that. That would be neat, but I have a feeling it's probably just going to be like click, drag, click, drag, click, drag, yeah, click, drag, click, drag, right click, yeah. assign, right click, assign, or that, or they'll just go claim them themselves. Because hmm. we are going to be living in this weird world of mouse support. Yeah, that is weird. That is hella weird. And I've I've talked to my friends about it, and um, because, you know, I, I keep bugging them about Dwarf Fortress, and I'm like, oh, did you know the, the, the new update will have mouse support? They turn around and like, how how do you play the game if you don't have mouse support now? <laughs> well, yeah, my, uh, mouse support my is favorite, great. Unless, oh, go ahead. Go on. Uh, I was just going to say my, my favorite thing to tell people is just say uh, with my eyes and a screen and a computer when people ask me how I play the game. Um, but well, yeah. mouse support is fine as long as you don't have that be the sole way to do something. You know, I'm very much a keyboard shortcut kind of guy. Not not just in in Dwarf Fortress, but in while I'm actually doing day to day computing, I a mouse tends to slow me down a bit, especially when I'm doing things like uh, running a text editor. I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what it's going to be like, and and also how these things trickle down to the Dwarf Fortress Classic. Everything is moving over to Dwarf Fortress Classic accessibility features wise, UI, mouse support new key combinations everything's moving to classic because they're not supporting multiple uis 
Um, the only difference is classic won't have music and classic won't be for sale and classic won't have the pretty pixels. Okay. Interesting. And we'll see if it's an improvement or a degradation. I mean, I, I have a feeling there's going to be two groups of people who play classic. There's going to be the people who go, this is garbage. What is wrong with all of you? And keep playing the older version forever. <laughs> and then there will be the rest of us who are just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to it's really hard to to know for sure what it's going to be like because we've really not gotten to play. So It'll maybe someday, fine. maybe someday. I heard like a small bird has been tweeting me that maybe, maybe this late summer, maybe. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how smooth moving goes for Tarn. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, that's right. He's a uh, he's getting kicked out of his place. That sucks. He's got to yeah. move in July, so yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping by November this year, and that's the gist that I've gotten from everything. But I still just tell people when it's done. When people ask me, because I really don't know, but that's my hunch is that that's what they're aiming for, because that's what they were originally aiming for was November 2020, and then 2020 happened. Yeah. Although, uh. To be honest, it, the the twenty twenty part probably didn't change the way he did his development a whole lot. He did yeah. get smoked out for a good three months, because so did I. Oh yeah, the uh, the 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 awful wildfires last last spring. Oh yeah, summer. he talked pretty pretty heavily about how he was having trouble developing as many hours a day and just working in general and getting out of bed because of the fire. And yeah, I I couldn't get out of bed and talk for more than four hours a day. It was awful. And I was I'm further north than he is. <laughs> Dwarf Fortress news since we last got together in the last two weeks. In the news um, sphere, just the screenshot of the elves yeah. is the main thing that happened. That and the uh, and the rooms rework. I, f- I can't remember if Mef dropped that. I think I think you talked with Mef about right the after. map update right after our our last episode. So the Mef dropped a release that had some some more map stuff on it. So yeah, there was really a nice. very sneaky screenshot release, which was released through an interview that I did with Mef right after the recording of the last podcast, yes. Which is more or less the same world map that we saw before, except it had uh, the spooky biomes and some new structures. Um, the previous world map that was released didn't have a bu- like half the biomes, and uh, we're missing a lot of structures. So we now have like abandoned settlements and necromancer towers on the map and a bunch of other cool things. Um, it's out there. It's up on Reddit. It's, it's in the background of the video that I posted. And so it's findable. Um, but it's it's not super heavily being pushed by anybody right now. I don't think it's the forefront of their marketing currently. Cool. I might use that as our backdrop for this week's episode. Go nuts. Yeah. Does anybody have anything else that they just uh, are dying to get off their chests about Dwarf Fortress? Yeah, um, I actually have a quite cool thing. Uh, okay, it's not that cool. It's just me ranting about sadistic ways to kill people in Dwarf Fortress again. Oh, okay, cool. But that's kind of or the point. Or as I'm saying, spikes. It? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, I like to chuck things down uh, like a pit. 
because that's quite easy. It's easy, it's quick, and it's it's free of charge. And um, then you just clean up the pit afterwards. But I noticed uh, a few things. For example, while it works, I want to find out why and how to make it better. So I was sitting sitting there and making several pits in different like uh, depths. But then I got a new idea. What if the goblin still has his iron armor? Does this actually change his like final velocity when he crashes into the floor? And does the armor actually deflect some of the damage that he takes when he is crashing onto the floor? So I made um, uh, humane experiments with... Uh, Humane or inhumane here? No, no, humane, <laughs> very humane. People came to me and asked me to be my subjects, okay? So it was... <clears throat> anyway, um, so as it seems, the, um, the, the final velocity is... I'm trying to read it out by making the shaft deeper and then seeing... A, how fast he actually goes, but that is a bit wonky because that is dependent on my FPS. But um, I kind of make it out to my, my, my damage output that I have. So, for example, I just chuck one person with armor out and one person without. Uh, and then I look who's taking more damage. And then I make the shaft deeper and do it again. Um, at some point, the person without armor will just disappear, basically, and do a fine paste on your floor, uh, while the person in armor takes considerable amounts of damage, can lose limbs, but stays, like, somewhat in shape, so they don't, like, explode into gore. Um, Still alive? No. No, at, uh, I think the ultimate point was uh, 36 uh, Z levels deep. Z levels deep is, um, is, is good enough to like kill many things, but I tend to go for 55 to 60. And then you kill even the goblins in Iron Armor because it seems that while they go faster... So the terminal velocity is a bit higher. They also can reflect some of the damage, especially when they are good in like um, the 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 armor skills. When they have like good armor skills, they can deflect more damage, which yeah, kind of makes no sense. But okay, um, but they can well, you actually know, yeah. You know, if you if you want to do this in a dwarven science way, you're going to have to do this hundreds of times for each whole level and record the uh, the damage that they've taken in comparisons because you need to to minimize the impact of the random number generator on yes. the uh, on the amount of damage that they're taking as they yes. fall. I have a way to make this system a hundred percent successful and also um, make it so you don't need to dig it as deep and also uh, make it so you can also get the iron armor back without having to do as much cleanup. It's called put like two inches of lava at the bottom of the pit. Ah, and then no, just like have no, a little no, drain no. drain in the middle so that they can it can drain out. And then it's just this magical clean armor. Yes, that is true. 
Um, but there is a better way to maximize the damage output um, because I looked into how the damage is actually, how you, how you say it, like... Uh, calculated? Yeah, calculated. So as it seems, not only the terminal velocity is calculated, the weight and the density of the thing that impacts on the density of the thing that is being impacted on. So the density of the floor is having a huge impact on the general damage. So when you lay out a wooden floor made from feather wood, for example, the, the goblins will basically just bounce off the floor and take very little damage. I had people survive a 60 Z level drop because they just bounced off the floor and maybe got some broken limbs, but survived it perfectly fine. While when I was laying out lead bars as flooring, uh, even dwarves without, uh, with armor on, they just splattered into gore. And it's the, then I did some more technique, but further down the line, okay. So I looked up, okay, what's the highest density material in Dwarf Fortress? And as it seems, it's obsidian, slate. Slate. It's slate, yeah. Um, so I laid out slate on the on the floor. I I bought slate from the humans. I uh, laid it out on the floor, and holy crapo, <laughs> that changed everything because now I don't even have to do a sixty level drop. I just have to do really a thirty level drop, and it have a thin layer of slate on the floor and it splatters people into gore um and i can easily pick off their oh, okay i mean the armor is bloody and it's cruel and whatever but uh the armor is still rather fine it's not being destroyed by it i mean it takes some damage but only if they actually try to deflect it if they fail the armor doesn't seem to take any damage from it which is really so cool so blind, I think what we have to realize here is the point that Roland, uh, in his uh, sadistic tendencies, is is going for here. I think lava would probably be more efficient and no. easier, but no. it would not be as entertaining. Yes, <laughs> I yes, I, I relatively recent. I, I I beg to differ on the entertaining front because <laughs> I relatively recently had a fortress where I had a tube dug from the glacier that was on the surface all the way down to the magma sea. And I had a bunch of big bridges going across it. Now this tube went right down through the center of my fortress and I had uh, gem and glass windows all the way on the inside um, on my fortress layers. And it went right through the center of my tavern. So my dwarves are all hanging out and partying and then suddenly just, just 50 <laughs> goblins just fly past. And they're just, you know, dancing and partying and telling poetry and someone pulls a lever and Wah! 50 more goblins come falling down. So I don't know about you, but you can do some pretty entertaining things with lava. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, because uh, the great thing about my pits is uh, they're like, I like to call them toilets because I have like a flushing system in um, where I can like uh, redirect a river or like underground water um, to flush out the remains of the whatever and just press it out of the map so that it destroys the items and they don't get calculated anymore without my dwarves touching them. Yeah. Um, Where do you flush them out to? Into a river? 
Um, no, usually I dig so deep that I go into uh, the the caverns and just uh, make like a small, small uh, how you say that uh, canal channel uh, channel yeah. channel uh, through through the through the caverns and then with enough water pressure you can just push it out your map and the the push it off the map. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that works great. And uh, one thing I just have to add for everybody out there that is trying to make a pit to throw things into, I have to remind you to actually smooth the uh, like walls of it, because otherwise, um, whatever you throw into it might actually get to cling onto the walls and try to climb out again. And even if it's not succeeding in it, it might scare your dwarf, uh, dwarves to death, which is not cool, especially when they're like trying to chuck other goblins in and they scare, get scared and let the goblins go. Not cool. Have that happen. Um, hmm. So smooth it and then nobody can like grapple anything. And if they try, they just start smashing from wall to wall and like, a hundred kilometers power. Um, that's fun. Also, yeah, as you said, blind, uh, doing like windows is really cool. Uh, I had, I had the same idea actually. Um, so I had a massive pit, like, uh, like a six by six tube in the middle of the map and my entire fortress around it and all the cool, interesting, uh, social activity places were directly on the tube and could look into the tube and several of them even had like uh, fortifications um, yeah. which turned out to be not the best idea but <laughs> anyway um, and my dwarf sometimes got spooked when a goblin was like falling uh, behind the window very closely and yelled at them I literally had a combat log where a goblin was yelling at a person uh like he got chucked down he was yelling at the person and then he smashed onto the floor that was a good combat log that's amazing <laughs> like the goblin's face takes the full force of the impact and the <laughs> impacted part explodes into gore i got a question about the mechanics of windows i saw that that the uh dwarves were wanting to buy windows from me and so I decided that I, that was going to be what I focused on building that particular week. But then I couldn't actually figure out how to actually build windows. Uh, is that something you construct into yeah, the like, wall like after the doors, walls? Question mark, right? Hmm? Where like you, you, you have to make the window because I usually use gem windows, but like you have to make the glass or you have to make the glass and or the raw glass, and then you make the raw glass into a window. If I'm not mistaken, no, 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 no. Or it's a bit different. Um, because uh, raw glass is just a like piece of glass that is basically unusable unless you want to make a gem out of it. Right. Uh, you you have to go into the glass furnace and then specify which kind of glass you want and then press on make a window. Because if they're gonna do from the furnace, the the glass furnace, yes. Okay. Um, well, what would you, well, what about so so gem windows? You wouldn't put a gem into the glass furnace, would you? Uh, no, no, no. It, that works differently because for the gem windows, you just need gems, and I, I, I'm not sure. I I don't think Three they have gems. to be. Uh, What's that? Cut. What's that blind? Three cut gems. Cut. And okay. Capital yeah. Y. Yeah. Three cut gems, and then they will just make them into a window for you. Yeah. Right. And for the glass, 
you need the furniture item glass window and then you can just uh, construct it with a epsilon or something okay well it sounds like i need to be doing something with my cut gems rather than just embedding them in stuff i'm going to sell because uh, is there is there an advantage i mean well it sounds to me like the gym windows would be a heck of a lot easier to make than the than the glass windows you run out of gems surprisingly fast but yeah. um they they really like looking at them if you use multiple types of gems they flicker between the colors and you can make pretty neat radiating rooms mm-hmm. i've seen the discotheques yeah. yeah yeah so that's how people are doing that um, uh, you, you can make a disco, that is true. Also, gem windows tend to be a lot more worth than um, the normal green glass windows. If you do like clear or crystal glass, that is different. But um, So so where yeah. do you make the, the, the gem windows? Is it a jeweler's workshop that you make the gem windows? No, no. You, uh, can, you just need three cut gems somewhere in your fortress, and then you can uh, already construct it. And they just yeah. put so, the gems into a window shape. So if you're going to sell windows to a caravan, you sounds like you can't do the gem windows because those have no, to be constructed no. in place. Yes. You can only do the glass windows because those get built and yes. then constructed. All right. Yes, they're furnished. Well, you can, you can see my confusion about, about the subject. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. a, a little inconsistent on, on, on how, you, how you do that. So cool. I learned another thing about Dwarf Fortress. A little bit inconsistent, like most things in Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> Wonderfully inconsistent. Let's... But let's yeah. be honest, like, um, there is a good thing about uh, actual glass instead of gem windows. There's no limit to them. Because if you have, a like, a sand source, you have a sand source, and it's never going to be depleted. You can make unlimited uh, glassware, whatever. And that's pretty cool. It's not as satisfying as mining out more gems, though. That is true. But, uh, I mean, do you play on uh, what mineral scarcity do you play? Uh, Either normal or rare. Okay. But, like, that's not a lot of gem win. Okay, I mean, fair. Fair. It's pretty cool if you actually. It's a valuable centerpiece. You know what I mean? Yeah, true, true. Do you do, like, discos in your tavern? Nah, I tend to just use one type of gem, pick a color, and roll with it. I find multicolor things distracting. Although I, I do have a area that I kind of imagine in my head is like a lighthouse, which I pretend is a fire, which is a yellow gem, a red gem, and a white gem, and it looks like a fire. Oh, that's cool. That's a good idea, actually. Hmm. <laughs> so you can like put them in fireplaces, and the, and the dwarves like being near them because it's tastefully arranged gems, and it's literally the exact same color combination as fire, except fire in Dwarf Fortress moves like a thousand frames faster a second, and it's like a spam flashy thing versus this is like blink, 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 but hmm. it works. Yeah, because I've seen people like do, uh, how would you even describe this? Like textures and pictures moving pictures i've i don't remember when when i saw this but like years back i saw a person that made the dwarf of dwarf fortress you know like a dwarven face that is blinking in dwarf fortress with the gem windows like what i like some of the stuff that cupo has done with animations and in different rooms with just everything alternating colors in a pattern. In our aborted bloodline fortress, I did the dwarf fortress roundtable logo in the floor with with wooden 
uh, floor tiles. That looked pretty nice, but yeah, if I do it again, I'll have to do it with. So, so wait, so now windows in my head is a vertical thing, but you guys are speaking of putting them on the floors if they're floor decorations. Well, yeah. You see, it's like a table or a chair. It takes up uh, a square when you look at it, but it kind of doesn't. They can't pass through them, though, like a table or a chair. Yeah, and for the windows, they can, so it's like a really thick window. So, technically, you could wall a dwarf in with windows? Yeah, but if, if they get berserk, I think they can smash them. Ah. Which is why I have blast doors in some of my fortresses sometimes where I <laughs> I'll have windows like Close looking out to the outside doors. world and then like just have a lever that just closes up a drawbridge in front of every single set of windows all the way around the entirety of the fort every time we get invaded. Hmm, that is smart. Yeah, I should probably do that, but I don't tend I tend to dig really deep. But I had um a problem with uh, cavern windows once, so yeah, I should have done that. I, I like embarking into mountainsides and then just like hollowing out the mountain, basically. Oh, that is very dwarfy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like mountainside uh, fortresses better than the ones where you have to channel down. Also, yeah, it just seems much more dwarfy. You're right. Channeling down to like the third cavern layer, and you know accidentally discovering the circus when you're just auto mining is also a lot of fun, which is something I did yesterday. <laughs> Yikes. Oopsie. Whoops. All right. I think that that probably is going to do it for the episode. Um, thanks so much, Blind, for stopping in and chatting with us again. It's a uh, less of an interview and more of a fireside chat today which is yeah, <laughs> honestly for just kind of crashing no 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 no, no, cool. no, no. Uh, I, was, I was glad you did i got i got messed up by daylight savings last night so i'm i i was like trying to get to sleep after having a long afternoon nap and i i was looking at the clock I'm like it's one it's uh, it's four what <laughs> um so i kind of got screwed up by daylight savings last night so i i just only like was 30% awake when I saw a DM come in. I was like, what's that? Uh-oh. So, here I am. Okay, well, until next time, I expect Tony will be back. He will probably be done driving his caravan across the desert at that point. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, this is Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye. Thanks again, Blind. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at Bay12Games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at Patreon.com slash DFRoundtable. Music for this episode is from Filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.io.